Are you ready? Yes, we're ready. Good morning. <laughs> and in case it's not morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is Jonathan Carroll. This is Nathan Morris. And uh, it's You'll Die Trying. It, it, it is. talk often on our podcast about relationships, and we use the term transactional sometimes to um, describe relationships where I need something from you or vice versa, and I want to make sure that we're all clear that those are not bad, that those can be good, and those are real, and they also can lead into friendships. For instance, I overheard you the other day talking to T.R. Ward from American Mortuary Coolers. It's obvious how much respect y'all have for one another, even though the relationship's primarily a business one. Absolutely. T.R. Ward is my go-to at American Mortuary Coolers. I mean, when you think of coolers or American mortuary coolers for that, you just think of that. And there's so much more than that. In the world that I'm in and the five rooftops and you have vendors everywhere. And to be able to streamline a process is fantastic and phenomenal. So he is my go-to guy. Anything from prep room, care center related to funeral visitation related, TR Ward at American Mortuary Coolers has me and my team and family covered. To all of our listeners out there who share, as Nathan does, in the funeral profession and the caring of families in their time of grief, if you haven't already, give a call 1-888-792-9315 or email funeralsource1 at gmail.com and visit americanmortuarycoolers.com for all of your funeral needs. I was thinking before we started recording, oh, I wish people could be flies on the wall here. I don't think that would be good for us. <laughs> Why not? I think it would... Uh, I don't know, actually. <laughs> well, they'll be they'll be able to have that opportunity soon because uh, we're moving to a, a video format for our blog. Uh, yeah, the blog. We're blogging. We're actually. I, I said blog. It's um, we're WordPressing. We're on a blog. <laughs> Zanga.com forward this slash. This is 1995. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm meaning to say we're going to be doing a video for, format for our podcast. Did you ever do Zanga, where it's like the journal blog thing? No. Yeah, I used to all the time. No. I was on Blogspot for a while. No, you're way cooler than Zenga. Yeah, I've never heard of Zenga even to this moment. Like, this is the first I'm hearing of it. I wonder if it's still up. I'm going to look. I'm going to look. I think that it would be phenomenal to um, to take our podcast on the road. I think it would be really fun to do that. What if people started showing up with signs and posters like they do for the Today Show? Oh, I thought you meant like protesting Not us. Not protesting us because like everyone aligns with and agrees with everything we say. So there's nothing to worry about there. That's right. Yeah. I'm thinking like just saying, oh, yay. Like having like a big fat head of you and stuff. would be awesome. That's, that's coming. <laughs> that's coming up. Speaking of uh, being on location, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you were talking recently in a conversation with me about... Uh, the shape of your life and how you would like one day to travel. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your experience with travel and tell me what it is that you look forward to. 
I like traveling so much because back in the day of music, it'd be fun to travel so often that you get to the point where you almost forget where you are, but every day is a new experience and a new adventure. And it was so fun, exciting, liberating. I mean, I think people need to devote time for travel and always try to make certain to go to two different new places every year for our vacation. Um, I've been, you know, to Rome, I've been to Jamaica, you know, you do all that fun stuff, Mexico, uh, I've been to every state in the nation minus Alaska, which is... You've which, been to all, to 49, 49 states? 49 of the 50 states. That's impressive. Yeah, it was, it's it's pretty fun. And I think there is uh, something incredible about traveling, traveling to see that you are <laughs> you are literally a blip on the radar and that's okay. Traveling to see that the world is... Um, far bigger than your little bubble. And um, one day, whenever I retire, if I ever do retire, which I will, because I'm going to have an exit plan, get an exit plan. I can I'm, help you with that. I know you can. I'm going to uh, going to travel with Megan, whether it be through a um, uh, purchasing a membership through Wheels Up or NetJets, whenever I have, sell off all my assets and have nothing but cash and nothing to keep up with. I'm going to travel the world with Megan. That sounds good. What's the first place you're going? I don't know why I just thought of Barcelona. Maybe it was because it was on like this, like, uh, the more you, you know how NBC has the more, you know, and then they have the segment where the kid, the guy, the Voyager guy, I think he went to like Barcelona, Spain. And I, I don't know, but I, I think it'd be fun to that put, show that comes on, uh, like at seven twenty in the morning. Yeah. With the Voyager guy. Yeah. That's a really great show. Is it a good show? Yeah, I'm over here show. mocking it kind of just because it was in the background, but I think he did. Maybe he didn't go to Barcelona, but I want to go to Barcelona for some reason. I have a, a deep desire to go to Barcelona and Madrid as well. I want to go to New Zealand. Yeah. I want to go to Switzerland. I don't think there are any um, snakes in New Zealand or oh, rodents. That's it's one of the two. I want to go to Australia, South Africa. I mean, the world is anyone's oyster, and there's nothing keeping us from going to these places. I do. I am sensitive to the fact that there are some people who cannot at this point in their lives afford to to travel, but I have to say that there are opportunities out there for people to uh, to travel, even if it means going to the next county, even if it means going to the next state yes. and meeting someone who is different. Because in our world now, you can go even in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, you can go to the next county over and you will meet if you try someone who was born and reared in a different culture. And uh, it, you can learn so much from that person, having never yeah. even physically or geographically gone anywhere. Yeah, I, I know that traveling by plane to the places in which I just listed is probably thousands of dollars and I couldn't swing that right now. But my point is, I think everyone needs to devote uh, time for travel. I do, um, there's, a, there's a Facebook group um, that all they do is they find abandoned abandoned locations in the state of Kentucky and take pictures of them and post them on the on the page. So these people, these photographers, are traveling around. They hop in their vehicles. I know the the guy that here uh, he says that he literally will hop in the car and they'll drive just somewhere random. Yeah, in the state of Kentucky, uh, whether it's you know as far east as he can go or as far west as he can go, and they just find dilapidated or or historical or preserved historically preserved places and take photos of them. It's pretty cool. So we can you know learn more about 
where he came from. Yeah. Pretty neat. You know, growing up, my uh, my parents worked at the same place doing different jobs, and they were both there 25 years, and, and uh, they worked very hard, and, and there wasn't a whole lot of time for vacation. So we would do like extended weekends. I did not grow up as my own children are growing up doing kind of those long week or 10-day long vacations. Um, but I, I loved those long weekends and we, you know, we couldn't go very far. Sometimes we would go farther than others and, exp- and explore, but I really got the travel bug in college because where I went to school, two things happened. Number one, it could be Friday. You're in the cafeteria. Your friends are there. You don't want to really want to be there. It's Friday afternoon, evening now, and, and you're eating at the cereal bar and you're, going around table to table asking people what they're going to do this weekend. And like 10 minutes later, you've got 30 people packed into a, you know, two seat pickup truck (laughs) and you're on your way somewhere for the weekend. And you know, you don't have any money, but you're not going to need it because you're probably going to camp somewhere. You're going to go to a KOA. You're going to whatever, just go to a friend's house nearby in a town, maybe a couple hours away. And you're, and you, you're on the road. It's a road trip. That was the best thing. Friday afternoon, someone would yell road trip and everyone would just go grab a backpack and, and meet in the parking lot. So I got the bug for road trips there. Quick little inexpensive, getaways to see what's around you. But the school also provided an international trip every May. And those those were afforded through work study. And some of them were study trips where you had to take a course before and during. Like literally, I would sit in the Notre Dame Hotel in Jerusalem on the floor in the lobby taking a written exam about historical archaeology of Egypt where we had just been, which was wonderful. Or it was more kind of a mission opportunity. I was telling Joy the other day that um, we I want, want to go back. I want to take her to Singapore where, um, you know, it's an island. I think the Singapore economy could shut down and Singapore would never know it for like 30 years. They've just done so well with their resources. They don't grow anything. Everything's imported, vegetables and fruits, et cetera. Hot as can be. You're drying off with a towel after a shower and you got sweat beating up behind the towel. It's just so humid right there near the equator, but beautiful people. English is the primary language, gorgeous place to go. And we would go, we went once to do um, basically teaching American culture to uh, Singapore children. And so we were teaching like line dances and stuff like that, you know, from what Such they American knew. American culture. Yeah, exactly. The, basically the best and most thoughtful parts of American culture, uh, like line dancing. And I, I loved it. So every May of my college career, those four years, I got to go um, places. And of course, you don't just go one place. You go, you know, for 10 days or 14 days and you would go here for a few and here for a few. It's just phenomenal. So ever since then, I have had the travel bug. I got to study abroad and I got to visit uh, so many places and I, I can't get enough of it, to be honest. It's my favorite thing in the world to do is travel. Traveling is liberating. It's a cool way to again, experience things. It's a good way to remove yourself from things. Being away from the norm is really fun. It's so awesome. You know that feeling when you come back from a vacation and you're like, I mean, you love your life. You love everything that you have and you love getting back into the swing of work and stuff, but it, you know, I wish I had another day. (laughs) I wish I had just one more day. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I, um, I think travel for people who, who can make it work, I think it's one of the most important things that people do, whether locally, regionally, um, within the United States or internationally. I think travel is an act of daring 
political imagination. Because it is so easy for us to remain the same and to hold our same convictions and beliefs and values and virtues when we only interact with the same people we've always interacted with our entire lives. But when you go beyond and you enter into the world of someone else and you go not as a spectator buying souvenirs, but as a pilgrim earning experiences, it is a completely different uh, world. And your beliefs and your thoughts and convictions and virtues and values all explode, sometimes growing more deeply and rooted in you, sometimes changing altogether. To go and watch Muslims and Buddhists and Jews, Taoists worship in their way, in their place, with these incredibly ornate temples and shrines, um, it's just gorgeous, and people are so kind and so oftentimes glad that you're there. You know, they want to share their life with you. Staying with host families as we did in college. I mean, I, I learned so much in those experiences. And, and I think it's daring as a political act because it challenges the very foundations on which we stand and hold our beliefs. I think we should start a GoFundMe account. You'll die trying to go fund me and we should just say, hey, just uh, not just you and me, but we can travel together. We can have a, uh, I'll work on that, everybody. We'll, we'll get, that's a, that's a work in progress right there. You'll die trying today from Geneva, Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be wonderful. And we take everyone with us. Everyone that, yeah, every mm-hmm. single person that listens, we can just all travel. We, we went on this trip uh, when we were in Rome. <laughs> we did this, uh, I forget, we went to the tombs, like the, the catacombs, I guess. I was a sophomore in high school, so my, my memory is a little bit a little bit hazy, but I remember we got on the wrong tour and the whole, the, the guide was speaking in French. So we're the only two Americans, my friend and I with all these French. So he was like, just nod your head. So we're just like, mm, yes, yes. I mean, they're talking so fast and saying all this stuff. I had no free, I had no idea what this person was saying, but they were pointing all over the place. We just followed along with these French. I don't know. Like, a, I know we, we, that's yes. it. Yes. Parlez-vous Francais? That's that's good. I think that's almost enough. Perfect accent right there. Polyvu Francie. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I can't say enough that uh, people benefit widely from travel, and I think that when we are in these very divisive times mm-hmm. within our own nation, um, these are frightening times for many. There is conversation about climate change. There's tribalism uh, going on. There's populism. There's conversation about Brexit in Europe and you know ongoing issues here in the United States. I think that the reasons people don't travel, like fear of terrorist acts, et cetera, I think those are widely exaggerated and typically are for people who probably watch a little bit too much TV. Yeah. Um, when you get there and you encounter people, it's it's a it's a life changing. Thing. And it, it is something that we want to give to our children. Um, yes, it can be expensive. And so we you know work extra hard to try to save and make that work for ourselves because it's a gift that I want to give and Joy wants to give to our daughters to know how to navigate the travel experience, to be able to get from one 
terminal to another to be able to read signs. I mean, these are things that we all kind of take for granted as adults who are paying attention, but you'd be surprised at how many people just, they're, they're so worried that that process isn't going to be smooth for them and that it keeps them home. Fear of something bad happening keeps them home. I read uh, uh, someone who travels a lot, I can't remember who it was, and they said, well, someone was like, why would you want to take a, a small baby with you on a trip? They're never going to remember it, and you're just going to have to stop and change your diapers in the airport. And, and he said, well, I can change my diapers in Austin, Texas, or wherever he's from. I, I can change your diaper in Paris, France. I mean, you're changing diapers. You may as well be in Paris, France. So it's, again, all about perspective. All about how you see things. That's really funny that you're talking about, like being able to read the, but didn't you say that you're terrible at directions? So like, how do you get around a terminal? Well, I mean, thankfully- Are you the guy I, standing in the middle? No. Okay, good. I can read. <laughs> it's just, I'm not good intuiting directions in my person, like in my body. Like I, I know where I am. If the sign is saying gate 23, I'm, I'm aware of, I'm at gate 23. <laughs> Pretty good with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> but I think <laughs> there uh, are people but, that literally sure, stand. Sure, there yeah. is an entire population of people who walk into a store and they stop and they just kind of look around. I have an embarrassing story that happened to me in Newark, the airport. I was uh, flying and uh, went to the restroom, washed my hands, walked out, and everybody's staring at me. And this is very true. This is not in any way. In any any way of my embellishing, I had the longest piece of toilet paper stuck to my shoe. And I'm just, it's dragging like the, this like long tail. It was embarrassing. And I'm standing there and I never will forget the way I acted. I'm like a junior in high school. So, oh, that's not mine. And I'm over here kicking in the middle of the, the middle of the airport like an idiot. That was embarrassing. Why my do face you is think red things right embarrass us? I don't know, but we learn it at a very young age. Why? I don't. Everett, our, our youngest, has the coolest, most outgoing personality in 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 the home when he's in when he's comfortable, and then out in public, it just he's very shy and easily embarrassed, and that's very odd to me because I think you know they talk about how parents they pick up from their their parents, but I don't I don't exude embarrassment like I don't know. I don't know. How did he learn it so young? Mm -hmm. It's part of his personality, I'm sure. More of an introverted um, personality. But how do you learn embar being embarrassed? This is a good This is a good conversation because I think people who try in business and life and you know mm -hmm. they are going to fail. They are going to have to kind of alter and kind of change paths and you know change momentum a little bit. I think it's a natural reaction for many to uh, again worry what other people might think. And so when, let's say this, this guy walks out of the restroom at an airport with 10 feet of toilet yeah. paper on his shoe. It's about seven. It's, it's natural to, I think, feel a little bit uh, sheepish about that. But I think the point there, I mean, the only thing about that that's embarrassing is it's, it's, re it's restroom embarrassment. Like there's no question about where you were just coming from. And it's like, Yep, I'm the only person on the airport who uh, has bodily functions, and I just went in and and took care of that, and now I'm back, and you can tell that I was there because I have toilet paper on my Now, shoe. if that happened, it'd be the funniest thing ever. Now, it'd be really funny, but I remember in my mind how embarrassed it, I was. Now, I would do that intentionally. You definitely would do that intentionally. When we go places, we have a truth or dare culture in our family, 
Do you and, really? Yeah. And it's, you never know when it's going to break out. And, oh, uh, no. I mean, my wife is fearless. Really? Oh, it's unbelievable. You can give her, now she can only accept truth or dare from, you know, close family. Right. <laughs> Other people walk up to her and ask her to do something. <laughs> She'll probably do it, but she, yeah, fearless. And our girls, you know, really half of them, half of the four are pretty fearless. The other half, you have to do some coaxing. And it it, it depends. It's, it's different people all the time, depending on the dare. Oh, I think I would probably fail at truth or dare. dare. The other day, one of the girls dared uh, Joy, my wife, to uh, lunge in front of the next stranger who approached her. And we were in a, a big box um, home improvement store. And... Sure enough, here comes this guy in his jeans and Carhartt uh, jacket, turns the corner, and Joy just does two deep lunges toward him with her arms in the air, kind of Mary Catherine Gallagher style. Superstar. Did she Did she keep a straight face? Oh, 100%. Perfect. That is so awesome. And then uh, he was like, what's going on? And she broke protocol. Normally she wouldn't say it, but she was like, oh, I was just dared to do it. He was like, well, I dare you to give me a hug for doing that. She was like, okay. So she gave this strange older man a hug and everybody had a great laugh about it and high fives and on he went. So it was like, how fun was that? We just encountered, you know, someone, we had no idea who he was, but it was fun. It was light. Who knows what he had going on in his day and who knows what we did, but that was kind of a beautiful moment. Lightheartedness is crucial for living and having fun while doing it. And less embarrassment. Yeah. Being embarrassed is not, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's icky. That's what I was going to say. I was say gross, but I, I use that word a lot. I mean, being embarrassed is, is unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Who cares? I, I Oh, this is great. I had a uh, a thing happen to me the other day. Uh, I was at an event, okay? And uh, walk up to this area in which my brothers were standing at. And there was someone that I noticeably hear talking poorly about and making fun of me. Yeah. You know, it was, there was a lot of dancing going on and stuff. So I'd been dancing and I remember in, I, in my mind, I can remember uh, what I thought. I was like, do, do I, it was like split second. Do I get mad about this? Do I get embarrassed by this? Or what do I do? And I went back out on the dance floor, started dancing again. And then later in the night, made sure to walk up to them and shake their hand and say, Hey, how are you? Nice. Yeah. It felt really, really good. Sure. You're I'm not going to give it any power. No, it's unnecessary to give it a power. Sure. Doesn't mean anything unless you give it value. Right. Mm-hmm. So just thought I'd share that moment. Did it hurt? Honestly. Uh, the That split second, there was a split second. Uh, oh, who cares? Good. It was like, uh, oh, I don't care. Good for you. I yeah, think that's it was fantastic. awesome. It was really cool. It's, it's a liberating thing. Just more negativity being bred into the world, and you uh, you gave it the old force field of, of, of positive, and I don't care, and that's beautiful. It only took 33 years to get it. That's pretty great, considering most of us never get it. That's shame. It's sad how much yeah. some people really just never allow themselves to learn. Yeah. I wonder, all the, of the, all the people that are listening, I wonder if you have a thing going on right now. Uh, if you really dissected that thing where somebody's kind of giving you a grievance or you heard someone talking ill of you or whatever, if you really dissected it and you realized, wow, that really matters about 0% of how freeing it would be for you to do that. I challenge you to, I think it'd be, I think it'd be uh, liberating for you to experience that freedom. That's my thought for the day. What book are you reading? Don't even say it. I'm not. I'm not going to. Why do you look over at that? Why do you go look over there? 
the E-Myth Revisited? Why do you keep looking at that book? <laughs> I can't help it. I'm still on page like 15. It's okay. From like episode four. Clearly you're doing other things for uh, self-reflection and learning than reading you know what that I am? Particular book I right honestly now. am re uh, rereading, and it actually went perfectly for the for the scenario that I was in. Let me tell you, I'm reading the 21 Irrefutable Laws yes. of Leadership again yes. by John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leadership, I'm sorry, the the element of momentum. Right. So within a business, uh, momentum is crucial. We wish we could control the momentum all the time. When the momentum's good, it doesn't matter if we're a great leader or not. People think of us as good leaders, right? Mm-hmm. But whenever things aren't necessarily going great and the momentum slowed. So it kind of actually coincided with something that happened recently within our businesses. Luckily, we actually have the momentum going to not cover up, but to, uh, what am I trying to say, like kind of account for or help uh, with the issue at hand. Okay. So it was pretty interesting that it coincided with that. So anyway, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. One of my mentors told me I needed to read it. I've read it. I'm rereading it. I read read that recently, and um, I think it's. I just think you know John Maxwell has so many wonderful nuggets to uh, offer us, and I, I think it's good stuff. He's really good. I mean, he's really good. He surrounded himself. If he's the average, you know, like a previous podcast we were talking about, like the yes, the fi- you're the average of the people you hang out with. Right. Like, I mean, geez, I want to be yeah. in his circle. Yeah. You know, uh, there are these mastermind um, circles, to use that word. I like the idea of circles. You know, it's kind of like a women in, in, in Christian churches often have women's circles. You know, they're like a, a group of women who meet and study the Bible and whatever. I like the idea of circle. I guess it's that it's, it's inviting. It's unending. It's open. Um, I like it. But... Um, I like the idea of of these mastermind groups because there is a, a group of people who come together around a common theme, concept, idea, subject, or experience, and they are there to kind of learn with one another. And uh, I think that's really, I think that's fantastic. I'd like to start a mastermind group, and maybe that's kind of what we're doing here: is we're yeah. trying to encourage. And illumine one another, you and I and our listeners. And, you know, and it's great because our listeners are sending comments to us and, and it's it's great uh, messages, both public and private. And, and I'm, I'm, I know that you are too. We're so grateful for that engagement. That's the whole point is engagement. I agree. And is The Masterminds a book that you're reading? No. That, oh, okay. What no, book are you the, reading? I am reading a book called Civility. We recently, you and I, talked about uh, civil conversations with dignity amid difference, and it got me thinking. So I, I reread a book called Integrity by Stephen Carter, who went to Yale, teaches at Yale Law School, I think, still. And uh, after reading that, I saw in the other books that have been written by the same author a book called Civility. So I picked that up, and uh, I love it. It's it's fantastic. I mean, this guy can write. He's He's in depth uh, and challenging, but it's really, it's wonderful stuff. He's written tons of books on all kinds of things from Lincoln to um, early American stuff and um, the violence of, you know, peacemaking. That, but but this these two books, Integrity and Civility, I recommend to anyone. Fantastic stuff. Well, what do you have advice-wise to kind of wrap up today 
you know, I challenge them to them, meaning you listening to, to kind of take that maybe moment of that you're dealing with of maybe someone being, uh, ugly toward or, and you kind of want to maybe react with being bothered by it. What do you challenge people with taking away from today's, today's episode? Like what's a challenge? I don't know why I'm going to that right now. Like I challenge you. I like the people to say, Hey, I challenge you to, to go out and give somebody a hug. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying go do that, mm-hmm. but yeah, absolutely. Go spread some love. What's the challenge that you have for somebody today? I want to encourage people to uh, open their hearts and minds to the possibility of difference, especially regarding other people, other cultures. Uh, and I, so I, I want to encourage a um, resurgence of the road trip mentality. I encourage every listener out there to spontaneously gather those you love and get in a vehicle and go somewhere with no map, no preferred destination, enough gas to get you there, enough gas to get you home, a place to stay, maybe, uh, figure it out when you get there, and meet somebody, ask somebody for help. I love to go places and say, where is the best place in the world that you would eat that no tourist would ever find? Like, I don't want to eat at touristy places, you know, when I travel. And I'm talking travel, like going to Nashville or St. Louis or something. I want to know where where do people who live here know to go? Love it, love it, love it. And you get to talk to people and you ask them why they were there, how long they were there. Many people have moved there. They've been transplanted. They came to stay for a weekend and ended up staying for a lifetime. I mean, you get to know such great stuff. And I come back more grateful for where I live, not because it's the same or different from where I just was, but because it opens my eyes to things that I haven't noticed about where I live, you know, and I have a more grateful spirit about it. So I want to challenge people to go somewhere spontaneously with people you love and take a journal and write down everything that you can about your experiences. It is an incredible, encouraging word for people to challenge people to do. I'll, I'll end with this. You say that Megan and I went on our last vacation. We went to Denver, Colorado. We drove four or five hours to Beaver Creek. It was off season. So there wasn't a lot of snow, uh, uh, skiing and snowboarding, right? We're sitting at the hotel bar, having a drink and we get to talking to this lady. She's been there 17 years. Okay. Her and her husband met there. She came for a weekend. She came from, I think, Ohio, she said, for a weekend and never left. 17 years earlier. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Pretty cool. That's how stuff goes. That's how that works. And she says her life is absolutely complete and perfect and incredible. And then I read a story about a man who never left the square mile in which he was born. His entire life? Yeah. So whether that is literally factually true or not, the point of it is still true that there are people who just don't want to go anywhere. They just don't have the desire. And I get that and I respect it and I honor it, but push yourself, challenge yourself just to go somewhere you've never been before. It's amazing uh, how someone, someone said the other day and at my practice, um, we were talking about I don't know, Bowling Green or Nashville. Bowling Green being an hour, Nashville being two hours drive from where we are. And they said, you know, you know, I've, I've lived here my whole life and I don't think I've been there more than twice. My gosh. And I think, golly, I've been there twice in the last six weeks, you know, 
just because I, uh, but and I know we don't, we all have different tastes. Some people just like to go home and rest in the comforts of their space. And I get it. That's great. But there are other people in other places who like to do that too. And I want to get to know those people. So yeah, it may be a little risky, maybe a little daring, but I want to challenge people to get up and go and meet somebody and write it down and, and create a culture for yourself and your family of, of newness and risking that daring political act of imagination to meet people who are new and who are different. Do what Dr. Carroll says, hop in your vehicle <laughs> with a friend or four and go somewhere. And if you're somewhere is, say you live in Ohio, come to Owensboro, Kentucky, and maybe we'll run into you and we'll take you to an awesome place called Bill's or the Bistro. And that would be incredible. We are going to learn about other people or we're going to die trying. Thanks so much, everyone.